identity crisis, okay? And last week we opened with a question. I want to do the same thing again today. By asking a simple question, who are you? Uh, if you think about that, that there would be a lot of different answers to that. And so I, as I talked about that last week and then Wednesday night I got to share. And so I kind of wanted to give you a few illustrations of, of what I mean about of kind of who I've been through the years. And so I've got some, some great, some classic classic pictures for you today that I want to share with you. And so a little bit about me. If you were here Wednesday night, I talked about how I was a cowboy. And I, I mean, I was cowboy to the core. And this first picture here, I wanted to prove that. Uh, I was a cowboy. I had the 10-gallon hat on the 3-gallon head. Uh, and that's just who I was. But uh, that little cute guy in the overalls, that would be yours truly. Um, come from a from, from a pretty good litter there. We got a good looking crew, but um, I was a cowboy. Uh, loved to be outside. Loved to, I mean, I was, I was, I, there's no other way to put it, man. I was redneck. I like to think I still am, but I'm really not. I live in the middle of town, but uh, this next picture, um, I'm telling you, it's hard to tell, but that picture on the right, that is me and one of my, my best friends uh, all through school, through college. Um, Moms took us in the nursery. We were probably maybe a year old, a year and a half old. Uh, we got into a fight, and whoever the nursery worker said, y'all make up and be friends. And, okay, so we were friends ever since. Still talk to him. Brandon's a, a good, good buddy. Um, but look at that, man. I, I was full throttle cowboy. The vest, I got the fringe on there. Look at that. Uh, it's hard to tell, but I'm wearing chaps. Okay, you know, if you got chaps, you're the real deal, okay? Uh, the picture on the left, that is more of who I was as a kid, like, like, hey, let's just make everyone laugh. Let's just party, 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 party. All right. And this next picture, um, a little embarrassing, but you know, hey, that's that's what we all go through. Okay, we all have those phases. But uh, the little boy in the picture on the left uh, was a kid from church. We were taking some kind of pictures or something, and he just ran up there. And so my brother just scoops him up, and he's like, okay, he's part of our family. And I think we actually sent that out as a card to several people. And so they're like. Who's number three? Like, what is this? Uh oh! Like, what happened here? You know. And so, now the picture on the right. Let's just embrace that for a moment, okay? Let's just, just take that in. Uh, if you were a '90s kid, which I was, uh, you know that NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys were the real deal, okay? And clearly, that's what I'm trying to do here. I missed the mark, clearly, but you know, hey, that's. That's what I was all about. You know, got the little necklace hiding under the collar there, but uh, still a pretty good looking crew. If you could crop my brother out, it'd be a really good looking crew, but you know, whatever. Right? This next picture, uh, <laughs> uh, the picture on the left was a, a thing we had at church, and those are some of my, my good friends. And uh, that jacket I'm wearing is like suede or like velvet or something. It is disgusting, <laughs> to say the least. I don't even know where it came from. I just found it in the closet, and I'm like, swag, you know, so I just went for it. And the picture on the right was actually from a retreat, and uh, I was, I think I was still in college at this time, and uh, I think that began one of many interviews that Steve had for me moving forward. Um, Steve and I have been been good friends. He's been a great mentor and a great friend for a long time. And so that's just a, I was going through there and I was like, man, that's crazy. Like, uh, you know, we've come a long ways together. And so this next picture, um, the picture on the, on the left there, I had the opportunity to go and spend, uh, now some of you have been on mission trips, okay. And I, you know, that's, that's great. We love going into missions. Don't hear me say that, but you go for a week, you go for 10 days. Let me tell you, 
I lived that for three months, swinging in the jungle with monkeys, and that was my dinner. That is an iguana. I caught three more of those, okay? And let me tell you, when you live off iguana and white rice with no soy sauce or any other type of fun thing that should go in rice, um, you will lose about 30 pounds. Because when I left for this trip, I weighed 180 pounds. When I came home, I weighed 150.5 or something. And so my brother who is 6'5", he got like double jeans or something. Something happened. I missed out. Every guy in my family is 6'2 or taller, 5'11". Okay, I don't really know what happened. But... Um, so I had, I had lost a bunch of weight, and I showed this one Wednesday night, and the students just died laughing. They're like, who is that kid? Who is that? You know, but um, I'm walking in the airport, uh, and so my family is there, and some friends are there, and uh, all six foot five of Drew, 230, 40 pounds, 1,000 pounds, I don't know how big he is, but he's just, there's a difference between people that cry and people that weep. Crying is just kind of like, oh, you know, I'm sad. Weeping is just like, it doesn't even make a sound. It's like, uh, ladies, the first time you saw Steel Magnolias and, you know, when Julia Roberts dies and it's just that, you know, weeping. This is what this grown man is doing. As I, and I just look at, I hadn't seen him in months. And I'm just like, grow up. Like, what are you doing, you know? But... Anyways, I told y'all, I was a cowboy, I was a redneck, and, and you'll notice in the rest of these pictures, there's this cute little girl that uh, starts sneaking in some of the pictures, and um, it's definitely, I am her side piece, she definitely sets the tone, and so uh, Emily, she, she tried to be a cowgirl, but... <laughs> I don't know. She had the boots, you know, but man, like I, I was the real deal. I had chaps. Okay. Go to that next picture. Uh, the picture on the left, if you want to know Emily and I's relationship, boom, right there it is. This was one of our engagement pictures we sent out and we sent those to people that actually get us, you know, that uh, they get our relationship. And so uh, I have got that face every day for the past about 10 years now. So it's been fantastic. Um, but uh, we, I finally did. We dated for like 800 years, and so I finally worked up the courage to ask her dad, and he was like, well, it took you long enough. And I was like, oh, that was easy. So anyway, uh, you can go to that next picture. Um, and so we both went through the long hair phase together because uh, we do everything together. Uh, we even have matching tennis shoes now. We're that couple. Uh, and then we did the short hair together. Um, those were a couple of Easter pictures. Uh, and then this last picture here, uh, there's another guy that's kind of sneaking into some of our pictures, and so um, that was our Christmas card. So Merry Christmas from Screaming Cooper, and so we d we definitely like Cooper in the right picture much better uh, than the one on the left, you know. And so uh, I think we can all agree. Uh, you may be kind of going through some some memories um, from your past, but I think it's pretty easy to say that we all change. Okay, <laughs> we all go through phases. Things happen, and uh, we change, and that's why when we talked last week, we said that your identity must come from something that doesn't change. It's got to come from something that's concrete, that's stable, that's, that's going to stand the test of time. And we kind of unpack that by talking about you must have a born identity. Now, I'm not talking about the movies, which we thought, man, anybody go see those movies this past week? If you didn't, you're missing out because they're fantastic movies. Good shoot 'em ups okay? Uh, but you must have a born identity, okay? And that identity uh, cannot be built. It can only be from Christ, okay? And... Um, 
When you receive your new identity, I think John says this the best of all in chapter 1. He says, yet to all who did receive him, so to those who have said, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want to live for you. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right. Um, It doesn't say obligation. It doesn't say we're going to run this down your throat. But he gave the right to become children of God. And I think that is so awesome about the God that we serve is that we have the privilege, okay, you chose to come here today. No one's trying to run this down your Now, maybe a few people in the room today are like, I don't have a choice. I, my wife drug, or my husband drug me or my parent, whatever it may be. Uh, but the truth today is, is that uh, you get to choose and it is a privilege. We have the right to become children of God. And if we will do that, uh, what we're saying is that we believe in God. We believe in God's plan. We believe that God is at work in our world today, okay? And that we have received Jesus. That's what being a child of God means, okay? And so last week, we really tried to drive this point home is that your identity is all about whose you are and very, very little to do with who you are, okay? And so uh, if you're joining us this week, if you missed out, you're going to get part two this week, okay? And so you can jump on uh, our podcast. You can download our Greenbrier Nazarene app. You can go to our website. We've got lots of ways for you to be at. You can order a DVD, and then not only could you hear my amazing voice that melted Emily's heart like 10, 12 years ago, you can see the face that melted her heart too. So you can you can order a DVD if you'd like. Um, um, I recommend the app, okay? That's what I would do. But uh, it's up to you. But uh, that'll kind of get you, get you caught up on kind of what we're talking about today, okay? But uh, there is this identity crisis because you'll never know who you are apart from knowing God, okay? That's how this whole thing works. That's how it's supposed to be. But the truth is today and the reality that each and every one of us live Um, is that there is a little bit of separation there. For some, there may be a whole lot of separation, but the truth is, the reality is, we are separated from God, okay? Uh, And it's because of this nasty three-letter word uh, called sin. And sin's only objective is to drive a wedge between you and our Savior. That, that's its only job. Sin is a relationship wrecker, okay? That's what it, that is the perfect weapon of the enemy is however possible to move you away from God, okay? That's its only go. And that can come in a lot of different ways and a lot of different, uh, can be seen as a lot of different ways as well. But the good news today, all right? And so this is where uh, you kind of got to spectate for the first part of the message here, but uh, you're gonna get to participate for the rest of it, okay? Because this next verse, I'm just gonna go ahead and set it up, all right? This next verse is an amen, hallelujah moment. Okay, and so you got to get excited because I'm a little passionate about what I do, if you can't tell. Um, But God has done some amazing things in this world and in my life, and I hope in your life as well. But when it comes to sin, wrecking relationships and fracturing that ultimate relationship that we are to have with God, I have good news today. Okay, there's a solution. Okay, and I think Paul illustrates this perfectly in Romans. Okay, like I said, 
you may need to get your amens kind of warmed up. You know, you may need to start humming, do some vocal exercises, because this is a this is a this is a great passage. Oh, and and by the way, I meant to say this from the get go. Uh, if you're looking in your Nazarene International Version Bible and you're going, this doesn't line up. I'm an NLT guy. I like the New Living Translation, so all of our scriptures today are NLT. It's just I had some people ask me last week, like, what are you reading from? It's it's God's Word. It's just the New Living Translation. Okay, but this is what it says: Romans eight. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of our weakness and our own sinful nature. Yes, that is each and every one of us. We can't do this alone, all right? So God did what the law could not do. should start getting excited here. Well, not amen yet. Nothing's happened, but we're getting there, okay? But God moved, okay? And that's exciting. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. People, Jesus Christ walked to this earth. Jesus Christ was a real person, okay? And he faced the same struggles that we face on a daily basis. God was real, okay? And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for a sin. This is your moment, people. That's good stuff, man. That is good news today. If you hear nothing else, you can walk out of here today and go, man, Christ died for my sins. We could just dismiss, but we're not because I'd get fired. But Jesus Christ walked this earth and paid the penalty for us. And that's good news today. That is great news for each and every one of us. And so when it comes to understanding our identity and there's this crisis, how do do we do this? If we can remove that sin from our life, the sin that's trying to separate us from God, if we can pull that out of our lives, it's going to reveal whose we are, okay? And I think that was the ultimate goal in the garden that God wanted that perfect relationship with Adam and Eve. But the thing is, sin is in there. And so we have to remove that thing to, 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 to reveal whose we are. And I think as we go through this process and once we know whose we are, we're going to discover what our true identity is. Okay? And so... Um, when I was in junior high, now for some of you this morning, you may go, oh man, I totally am going to follow along with this story because I'm in junior high. Some of you may go, man, I'm in middle school. I can't wait for junior high. Then others of you this morning may go, you know, when I came over on the boat with Columbus, I don't remember there being a junior high. That may be how you feel today. I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying that may be how you feel today. But I went through a weird transition and everybody's done it. I'm just sharing my story. I'm just being transparent today. And this may be all of your stories. I don't know. But in junior high, up until this point in my life, in between that ninth and 10th grade year, okay, you go from not being able to drive to drive, from having a little bit of freedom to a whole lot of freedom, okay? Um, as, as I was going through that transition, up until this point, I'd had the same group of friends, great group of guys, you know, we'd grown up together. Brandon, like in that picture, he was one of my really, really good friends. And uh, something weird happened because we were all like, into the same thing. We all played sports. Uh, we all did the same things. We ran around. We watched the same movies. It was great. It was, a, it was a really cool atmosphere, okay? But then, in between that junior high to high school transition, something, something weird happened because the group that I ran around with got way more interested in what the high schoolers would think of them than about, like, just us being us, okay? And they started off down a path that I was like, man, I love you guys. Man, we're still good friends. We can still chat, but 
this is not right. And you may have had one of those situations in your life where everyone's going this way and you're just like, you know, that's fine. Y'all can do that. But it's just something doesn't feel right. Okay, you don't feel complete. Something was missing. And I couldn't really pin it down. I'm like, what is happening? You know, why do I not feel, why do I feel guilty about doing what they're doing, you know? It's because I had parents that cared, but that's a whole nother message. But I knew something was missing, okay? And so church camp was coming up that summer. It was in, in late July, and I was pumped because I was like, maybe I should give God, you know, maybe I should try this whole uh, Jesus thing, you know, and be serious about it because I had grown up in the church, man. Like I said, I had great parents, man. We were in church every Sunday, and, and they showed me the value and the honor that we have to be a child of God, okay? They didn't try to run it down my throat. They lived it, okay? Uh, and that's mainly why I am who I am today. Day. But I went to camp, and man, it was just, camp is such an awesome experience. Some of you may have camp stories, some may be good, some may not be good, but I'm just saying camp is an awesome experience. And I went, and God really did a work in my life, okay? And I knew that if I wanted God to, to continue to move in big ways in my life, I needed to make some big changes, okay? And so I was an athlete, ran around with these group of guys. It was all great, wonderful. And I came back, and uh, I remember going in for, you know, fall football, getting ready to play, you know, high school sports. That's a big deal. And I went in, and I just said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna have, to, I'm gonna have to hang the cleats up, coach. I'm going to gonna have to retire my jersey, coach. You know, I'm done. And the coach was like, who are you? <laughs> It's like, were you even on the team? And I was like, yeah, man, I, I served water to everybody, you know. But anyways, um, I ended up quitting football just because I, I needed to separate myself from, from kind of this negative influence was coming from people that I loved and liked, but they were influencing me in a bad way. And I was doing things I knew I shouldn't be doing. And I knew what was right. And so going into 10th grade, 10th grade was just an awful year. It was terrible. But I grew in a lot of really, really good ways. I surrounded myself with a great group of Christian guys, about six of us guys, that really got serious about our faith. And we started, that's the, when I started living the dream, man. Because I was more worried about what God wanted me to do than trying to impress a bunch of people that I was never going to talk to after high school anyway. And I really, really, really made Christ a priority in my life, okay? Now, did I mess up? Okay, if you didn't catch the first part of this where I was a high school student, yeah, I messed up a lot, okay? And then I went to college and messed up even more, you know? I mean, that's part of growing up and maturing as you mess up. But at the end of the day, I knew my identity, okay? And because of that, I found my purpose, okay? And so that's what we're going to unpack today. If you want the sermon in a sentence, folks, is it would be a great place to take a note uh, or take a picture of this on the screen. But when you understand your identity, it's going to lead to correct activity, okay? Understanding identity leads to correct activity. Well, what do you mean by that, Daniel? Well, I mean is that when you know whose you are, you're going to things should be different in your life. For me, as a ninth grader, 10th grader, that meant, you know what? I love sports. I love being an athlete. Clearly, I have the figure of an amazing athlete, okay? So, um, but I knew this is leading me down a path that I, I know is not best for me, okay? And I'm not strong enough to overcome all these negative influences, okay? And so I had to step back. Now, this is not, a, oh, great job, Daniel. No, I'm just saying, this is my story, okay? And this may be your story, or maybe this is you today, and you're going, 
man, I need to do that too. You know, I'm 50 years old and I've been running around with that group ever since high school. Just saying, you can still be friends, but maybe you don't need to be letting them influence you, okay? Because when you understand your identity, things should be a little bit different, okay? When you get upset with a coworker, you're going to respond to them a little bit differently than you did not really understanding your identity, okay? When people drive on 65, that's a freebie. You can act however you want, okay? When, especially when they're driving slow in the fast lane, okay? That's, that's it. That's, you, that's a freebie. You can act however you want. You can run them off the road. My personal favorite is to get in the slow lane and just blow their doors off, and I just stare at them the whole time I drive past and Emily's like, what does that do? I says, it makes me feel better. That's what it does. Anyways. And what's worse is they're texting. That's a whole nother sermon. That's not a sermon. Anyways. When you understand your identity, you should do things a little bit differently, okay? The, the system you use to evaluate situations to say, hey, I'm going to do this versus I am not going to do this, that scale, however you use to evaluate those things, is going to look a little bit differently when you understand your identity. Because what the world says, hey, you, this is cool, go for it, do it. It's even legal now, go for it. You can go, well, I have the truth, and I have God's word, and it says this is not right, okay? I'm, I'm going to stand up for, for what is right, okay? And, and when, when people all the time, you may run into people like this, well, I believe that, that this is okay. Well, I believe blah, 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 fill in the blanks. You can go, hey, you know what, brother, sister? Hey, that's fine. You can believe whatever you want. That's the glory of serving the God that we have is you, you can believe whatever you want, but it better line up with the truth of God's word, okay? And I want you to hear that today, is that when you understand your identity, the things you do, the things you align your life with and you support and you get behind better line up with God's word, okay? Because who you are is going to determine what you do, okay? And what other people truly see in you, okay? And in 2 Corinthians, man, apparently uh, the church at Corinth couldn't get it together. And so Paul wrote them a letter. Uh, they were probably like a bunch of us and they were like, we still don't get it. And so we wrote them another letter. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we kind of touched on this last week, but man, this is such a good verse. It says, this means that anyone, that means it's open to everybody. It's not just a select group of people, but anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And that is, man, that's good news today. That's good news. You can celebrate that today because you do have a brand new identity in Christ, okay? Now, um, I don't know how many of you are smartphone people. I have mine right here. I thought I forgot it earlier. It was in my pocket. I'm pretty sure Chase was the only one that saw me, but it was kind of funny because I went to run and then I had it and nearly fell. Anyways, whatever. Um, if you have a smartphone, you know these things don't last forever, okay? Now, some of you are still using a flip phone and that sucker won't die, okay? I know that because I saw one of you this morning pull it out of your vest pocket, flip it open, and then flip it closed, okay? You're sitting on this side. I'm not going to look at you, but that's fine. Hey, if you're a flip phone guy, go for it, or a flip phone gal. That's, that's totally cool, all right? Uh, I'm a smartphone guy because I need all the help I can get, okay? But um, the thing is, this, this isn't going to last forever, okay? Eventually, this thing's going to wear out. The button's not going to work anymore or whatever, okay? So then uh, we all go through this. We have the opportunity to choose a new phone. Oh, what a glorious day. Who doesn't love a new phone? Who doesn't love new stuff in general? I love new stuff. And so you get to pick out whatever you want, okay? And so you, you can go in and you can get the newest, hottest model, man. You know what? This new phone, it doesn't even have a button. 
It just looks at your face. That's straight from the government. Don't do that, okay? All you conspiracy theorists, like, get, stay away from that thing, all right? Uh, that's going to steal your retina and then have all your DNA or something. I don't know. Anyways. Um, but you can choose that. That's, that's, that's totally cool. If you want that, go for it, okay? Um, so that's option one. Option two is you can get the current model, whatever's out. It's still going to do everything you want it to do, okay? Or you can get an older model that um, maybe it had a busted screen or the buttons quit working, and it's a refurbished phone. I call it a refurb, okay? Well, what I want you to hear this morning is, is that if you have a brand new identity in Jesus, uh, our God is not in the refurb business, okay? He's in the brand new, you know, without spot and wrinkle, as the old classic hymn says, okay? It's new. And so those past sins, those past mistakes, those past pain, suffering, that's gone, Okay, you don't have to worry about that anymore. You don't have to carry that back. Now, are you still going to have scars? Are you still going to have memories? Absolutely. But hopefully you can use that to help motivate you to make better choices or better decisions moving forward to make an impact for Christ. And what I love about Paul is it's like the Energizer Bunny, man. He just keeps going. And so in verse 18, he says, and all of this, this brand new identity, he says it's a gift from God. That means it, it's your choice. You don't have to choose it if you don't want to. But I'm telling you, if you know what the truth is, you better accept the gift, okay? That's why we're here today, okay? All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Jesus is the answer today. And God has given us this task of reconciling people back to him. Okay, reconcile, reconcile, reconcile. Uh, if you're a financial guru or you handle the finances in your family, um, you should do this because I don't, I should, but uh, there comes a point, whether that's every quarter or every month or every day or hour, I don't know because I don't do this, but uh, where you reconcile your account, okay? Can I get a head nod from somebody financial? Yeah, is that true? Okay, good. <laughs> I'm on point. That's good. Um, and what that means is, is all of your deposits need to line up with what you have versus what the bank has. And all the withdrawals line up with what you have versus what the bank has, okay? And so you can kind of bring everything back together and kind of go, okay, this is where we're at financially. Now for me, I'll reconcile deposits all day long. Money, 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 money. That's what I'm talking about. I don't really like to reconcile withdrawals because then that's like, did I really spend that much, you know, at Dick's today? Like, I don't remember going to a cat, oh, Oh, that's right. I did go to Academy today. That, that's where my retirement went. Okay, good, great, whatever, okay. But uh, this idea of bringing stuff back together, okay. Now, if you're a Christian today, okay, we're talking about, you know, you're going to understand correct activity, okay. If you're a Christian, the activity that you need to be involved in is the activity of reconciliation, okay? We have a job to do, okay? We have a, a task before us, like Paul says here. Um, and what I love about this, what I love about this and what I love about student ministry is there's no age limit. There's no education limit, weight limit, or whatever other limit you want to put on, height limit. There's no limit to the, the task of reconciliation, okay? We all have a job to do. And I think that is so cool today. And it's simply just to share your story of reconciliation. How did God move in your life? When did you accept Christ? How, how has Jesus changed your life? And so our small group guides today, uh, we're going to go a little deeper in that. And so if you're not in a small group, join one or grab a small group guide as you go out today. But it's going to kind of uh, get you in your groups to kind of dive into that a little bit deeper. Okay. But Paul, man, he just keeps going. 
And so in verse 19, he says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. If Christ is in your life, if you have said, you know what, I'm going to find my identity in the one who sent me and the one who created me, what Paul is saying here, he says, if that's you, if you have received Jesus Christ, God's not holding your sins, okay? He says, that life is gone. That's what he's talking about then. He says, behold, a new life is, has become. He's saying, I'm not, I don't see that sinful person that you remember, okay? God's going, I, that's out. That old life is gone. You might, you might as well have been dead, buried, because we started over when you said, my identity is in Jesus from here on, okay? That is a new identity, okay? Because God sees your real identity, and he sees the person he created you to be. And so I, just think about it today. How, how would you act differently knowing that God doesn't see that sinful person maybe you used to be? Or... He doesn't hold that and he's going, no, 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 no. I don't want you to worry about that person. I want you to be the person I've created you to be, okay? How would you act knowing that, going into situations where you're like, man, I really feel like, uh, you know, maybe you just feel kind of, feel God tugging at your heart and you're like, maybe I need to reach out to this coworker. Or maybe, you know what? I need to help out this neighbor over here. They're going through some things. Or, you know what? Man, that guy um, in the grocery store looks like he could use a little help. You know, I don't know. God moves in all kinds of ways. Um, but, but then you're like, I need to do that. Well, then that old person comes in and is like, no, no, no. I know that guy and he knows my past and he's going to be like, what are you doing? And you know, and you start backpedaling. God's going, how would you act differently knowing you know what? God doesn't see that old person anymore. You'd probably go and help that person or help that neighbor or help out that guy in the grocery store, okay? Think about that today. But the good news is Paul doesn't stop there. He just keeps going. Boy, this church at Corinth needs a lot of help. Kind of sounds like us today. We need a lot of help, okay? So in verse 20, he said, so we are Christ's ambassadors. Ambassador, ambassador, I'm an ambassador ambassador? That's a big word. Okay. Now, if you think about a lot of times, if you get like a sponsorship from someone, because I've been sponsored for a lot of things. No, never. Um, or if you're a representative, you may get like a patch or a sticker or a button or you know, like have a job with your, your name or whatever on it. Okay. You're like, I'm a representative of blank. But when you're an ambassador, man, you get like all the tools. You can get into the, like, you're like VIP access to everything. That's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, church at Corinth, Greenbrier Nazarene. He's saying, you are Christ's ambassadors. You got all the tools, okay? You've got everything you need. God is making his appeal through us. When we speak, we speak for Christ. When we plead, come back to God. As an ambassador, man, we've, we've got the tools we need to do what God's called us to do, okay? Um, and it's simply just to share the message, okay? Share your story of come back to God. Here's, here's how God worked in my life. This is what I did. You know, hey, uh, this is how my grandma or whatever, you know, because the truth today is, guys, uh, we're plan A. Christians, like we're, we're plan A and there's no plan B. There's not like a Christians 2.0 coming up behind us here in a few years. No, like we're it, okay? God has put us here now to be his voice in the world, okay? And so understanding this identity is gonna lead to correct activity. Like what does that look like? Like what does that mean, okay? Well, three points this morning. What is correct 
activity in Jesus. What, what are you talking about today, Daniel? Help, help me through this, okay? Well, good news. I have three points, and then we get to go eat Mexican food. Uh, but the first one is, number one, and maybe you just need to hear this today, man. You're planned with a purpose, okay? You were planned with a purpose. Daniel, you don't know me. You don't know, uh, I don't even know who my dad is because my mom got pregnant in high school. You don't know me, Daniel. How am I planned with a purpose when I don't even know who my dad is? Or, you know what? I don't even know who my parents are, Daniel. How can you even say I'm planned with a purpose? You don't know my story. Don't even say that. Well, here's what I do know is that I serve a God that don't make junk, okay? And in scripture, he says, in the beginning, God created. So Genesis 1, God started creating all the way through the end where he wins at the end, guys, just so you know, so you probably want to be on his team, to now and for the rest of forever, God is in the creation business, okay? And to my knowledge, he's never made a mistake. Uh, he's never gone, ooh, Daniel, uh, Mulligan, we need to start over. I, I, ooh, like, with, like that nose he's got, like Gonzo, we got stuff. We got to start over on that guy. No, God, God's not in the accident business, okay? You were created on purpose for a purpose. And so maybe that's just what you need to hear today. Well, then you don't know, man. My husband's kind of belittles me or whatever, or man, my wife is the word, blah, blah, blah. Hey, I don't, whatever it is, you were created on purpose for a purpose, okay? It's to glorify the name of your Savior, okay? So if you hear nothing else today, if you tune out or go to sleep, you know, know that God created you for a purpose. Uh, and if you're going to go to sleep, God created you to stay awake and listen to this message. But anyways, we'll keep going. Created on purpose for a purpose. God don't make junk. That's a quote. Put that in your notes. Daniel said, God don't make junk. Number two this morning, what does this correct activity in Jesus look like? You're protected, okay? You are protected protected okay because God works for good and there's a lot of times we don't see it because we're going Daniel how can this possibly be good when I'm going through the pain I'm going through you don't know what I'm suffering pastor so how in the world can you stand up there and say I'm protected and you have no idea what I go through on a daily basis well here's what I do know I know a God that doesn't make mistakes and God works for good Okay, and a lot of times we don't see that, okay, because we like to think in our earthly minds, we're going, hey God, I know you're omni, all those words that I can't even pronounce under the sun, present, omnipotent, that's probably said wrong, whatever. God, I know you're all of these things, and I know you like created humanity and the earth and, and like everything, but this situation in my life, you, I think it would be better handled this way, okay? And everyone in the room today has done that, okay? Including the guy with the microphone on. I'm going, yeah, God, I know you like have a plan, but this little side gig would be way better. And I just like, I love to get these pictures of God like just pounding his head on something and he's going, okay, Daniel, let's think about this for a moment. So here I am, God. Uh, how many earths did you create? Oh, none. That's right. Okay, cool. Uh, and then on that earth, you made it like lean so much that it would be day and night. And then there's all these other system stuff. Did you do that, Daniel? Oh, no. Oh, you didn't. Okay. Here's the deal. Like I created you. Did you create? Oh, you didn't create me. Okay, cool. Um, my plan's right. Yours is wrong. Okay. <laughs> and that's kind of how I see God working in my life. I'm not saying that's how he does it. That's probably not even theological, but that's just kind of how my brain works sometimes. But a lot of times we don't see it. And God's going, if you will trust me, 
Daniel, pastor, spiritual leader, congregation, if you will trust me, it's going to work out for good. But here's the thing when it comes to God's protection, okay? Uh, and if you're a parent in the room today, you'll get this. If you're a student in the room today, you're, this is not going to make sense. But sometimes protection comes in the form of a very, very nasty word that I know all too well because I was a wild child growing up, okay, and I was terrible. I got paddled every year in school, K through 12. No joke, okay. I was that, I was that kid when you taught Sunday school and you were like, it's going to be a great day, there's Daniel. I resign immediately, okay. I was that kid. Or it's like, like teachers in school, they were like, they'd get their, their list of students for the year and they're like, please not Daniel, please not Daniel, please not changing school districts immediately or whatever. Okay. I was that kid, man. And here's the deal. When it comes to God's protection, a lot of times it can come in the form, this is a nasty word and I hate to say it, but it comes in the form of discipline. I hate that word, okay? Because discipline means pain and inconvenience for me. Okay, a few weeks ago, I was building some shelves in my garage because I'm trying to get organized and I don't want people to drive, but you know, and this, I'm not making fun of your garages. This is you. Okay. Let me preface this by saying that. I'm just saying, I like to be able to have a two car garage and park two cars in it. That makes sense. A lot of people can't even park one car in there because there's just stuff. Okay. I tr I'm trying to organize my stuff. Okay. Basically what it is. So I'm building some shelves. And so it was cold and I had my little propane heater going, but it was correctly ventilated. I've made that mistake before. Nearly died from carbon monoxide. Always vent gas heaters. Safety tip for the day. And so I'm out there, it's cold, I'm, I'm working. And so Cooper comes out and he's kind of hanging out with me a little bit. And uh, he keeps wanting to put his hand on that heater. And I'm going, no, no, no. Well, one time he gets close. What did, what did dad do? I spanked his hand and he got all mad and cried and was all upset. Uh, and then I spanked him for crying. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm not, not that person. Don't call DHS. All right, let's just be serious. But I knew that if he touches the heater, his hand's going to melt off, okay? And so I'm going, no, Cooper, don't do that. And I had to discipline him to protect him. And now every time when he goes to get in the car, when he's walking by and he sees that heater, he's like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, he knows, okay? So a lot of time when God's trying to protect you, it may come in the form of a hand swat, okay? And it may be painful and it may be inconvenience, but God wants you when you're going into these situations, when you see something and you go, no, 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 I don't need to do that, okay? But here's the deal. A lot of times discipline is pain, it's suffering, it's an inconvenience, but it's at those times in our lives when we feel most weak that God is most glorified and we grow closer to him. Think about the last drastic step you took in your life. Was everything going great? Probably not. Uh, when was the last time you, you, you made a stand for Christ? Was just everything a bed of roses? Nope. Probably not. Probably felt in a very, very low place. You're like, how am I going to get out of here? God is the only way. Well, guess what? God is the only way in the good times as well, okay? And here's something else, just another little, little side tip for you. Um, I heard this once as a student, and I was like, oh, that's genius. I didn't, like, follow it, but I thought it was a good point. And so man, I'm going to share it with you, and you may think the same thing today. But if you know going into a situation 
that it's going to lead to something that you probably don't need to be involved with, okay? If I go to her house, I know her parents aren't home. If I go to his apartment, when I hang out with this group of friends, I get in trouble. When I go over here, bad things happen. Use some common sense, people. God gave you a brain for a reason. If you know going into a situation that something bad's going to happen, don't do that thing, okay? And there's so many, that's another one of those God pounding his head on the wall going, come on, like you knew this was going to happen, so why even get involved with it? Well, they're my friends and they're all this stuff. Well, that's fine, but you know what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing, okay? I love, I don't love the movie. I love the scene in the movie, okay? Movie Fireproof. Give it a chance. It's a little cheesy if you know what I'm talking about, okay? But it has a great message and it has Kirk Cameron in it, okay? So give him a chance, okay? But that was a media joke. Nobody got it. But in the movie, the husband is dealing, some of you did, thank you. Uh, in the movie, the husband's dealing with a pornography addiction. And so finally he gets to the point where he's like, I know that this is a distraction for me in my life and it's driving a wedge between me and my wife. And so he takes the computer monitor, not screen monitor. Remember they used to be this big and it took eight guys to move it. Well, he just goes, some of you know what I'm talking about. He just goes full incredible Hulk, carries the monitor outside and just pulls out this baseball bat and he's just wearing this monitor out. And he's just like, yes, victory over sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you just get that feeling like someone's watching me and he turns around and his neighbor's just standing there like watering some plants. And it's like, hey, psycho, (laughs) what are you doing? If you haven't seen the movie, go watch it. It's a great movie. If you know something's gonna cause you to stumble, remove that thing, okay? That's God's protection in your life, okay? You are protected. All right. And so the third thing of, of what does this correct activity in Jesus look like? I'm planned. I have a purpose. I know God's going to protect me. And number three this morning is that you are provided for. Okay. You are provided for. So you're saying, Daniel, that I go to Oakland next weekend. I'm a big winner. Uh, no, I am not saying that. I'm not saying that playing the scholarship lottery, uh, which is going to bring all these students, these great scholarships. Uh, is a great thing. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God provides, okay? And a lot of times it's in ways you would never, ever, 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 ever even imagine. I, we had something this week and it was like, man, how's this going to work out? And then it just happened. And then I remember uh, last night I was going over my message and Emily and Cooper were playing in one of the other rooms. And I was, I was sitting in the floor reading and I got to this point and I just, I just put my nose to the side and I just knelt down and I had my head on the ground and I was like, God, thank you so much for providing. Here I am trying to, to lead people, lead students, and, I, and I'm not even getting it. And right here, like you're going, hello, Daniel, I provide, okay? God always provides, okay? And whatever it is you're going through, you may go, Daniel, there is no way God could get me out of this hole. I beg to differ, okay? In Matthew chapter seven, this is Jesus and he's on the Sermon on the Mount. And for three chapters, man, he's just getting after it, you know? And he's, he's just so many good messages. And sermons have come from these three chapters, okay? And so here at the beginning of chapter seven, Jesus is just laying it out for the people. And it's so good. And I want to share it with you this morning. But it says, just listen to these words. When you're thinking about how's God going to provide, hear these words. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. 
Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. All right, now here's what you need to know about that scripture because a lot of times, and I kind of talked about this last week, and this is, this is me, okay? And I'm going, God, if I could do so much more ministry um, if you would provide me with that Benelli Black Eagle three shotgun, okay? Preferably, you know, Badlands camo dipped, okay? That would be great. I know, God, I can make a such bigger impact for you. And God's going, if you can't kill a duck with a gun you currently have, a newer gun is not going to help you kill more ducks. No, 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 God, it's not about that. It's about ministry. And he's going, no, 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 no. Here's what you need to know. When it comes to asking and God provided, okay, God will provide what you need. Make sure you underline need, maybe circle that, highlight it, all caps, draw some little arrows coming to it. What you need, not what you want. God will always provide what you need to complete the call on your life, okay? If you're doing something God has not called you to do, why would he provide, okay? He created you on purpose for purpose, and if you're living outside that purpose and you're praying, God, I need this, I need this, I gotta win the lottery, gotta win the lottery, gotta win, God's going, it's not, it's not what I called you to do, man. You're not even why, like, no, that, that, that doesn't make sense, okay? God will provide what you need to complete the call on your life, okay? And everyone has a call, okay? Everyone has a job to do. We've all been called to the task of reconciliation and everyone must do their part, okay? And in 1 Corinthians, this is the first time Paul's trying to address the church at Corinth and he's going, come on guys, get it together. And he says this in verse 12. Yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. And if the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, well, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, which would be creepy, how would it hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? This is the great, this is the, man, Peter drives it home right here because it starts with but. When you see but in scripture, focus in. Uh, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. You have a purpose, okay? The almighty God creator created you on purpose for a purpose and you have a call, okay? And everyone is designed specifically for their call on their life, okay? But before you start doing all these things, you've got to be the person God has created you to be. Understanding identity leads to correct activity, okay? And here's where I think church folks, we, we kind of get this, but we kind of get off track a little bit because there's so many times I feel like God's going, you need to build something, whatever it is, okay? It's going, you need to build something. And so we get our building materials and we're like, okay, let's build this. And we start working as hard as we can and God's going, what are you doing? I'm building. He's going, why are you hammering a screw with an iPhone? Well, I th this, this, this way's better. I've got an app. It's a hammer. You know, and God's going, it's not what I called you to do, man. Or maybe in your life, you know, God says, hey, man, you need to paint the house. Okay, and just for example, go with me this morning. You need to paint the house. And so you're out there dipping your brush in there and you're just 
painting away. Little Picasso out there. And God's going, Daniel, yeah, God. Why are you, why are you painting the house with a toothbrush? This way's better. And God's going, you've got the right idea. Yes, I want you to paint the house. But what are you doing? That's not, that's not what I, I didn't equip you with the toothbrush. And then you go hear a church service or you hear that awesome song on Caleb that just really impacts your life in a powerful way. And you're like, ah, I got to figure it out now. I'm going to use the roller. And so you're out there dipping your roller with no pad on it, just like this. You're dipping it and you're, and you're just getting to town. You're like, man, this is taking forever. Why did God call me to do this? If this is going to be so painful and God's going, where's the thing that goes on it, dude? Where's the little foam thing, you know, half nap roller, you know, you got, you got to keep doing that. Or maybe you're like, you know what? God's called you to be a hunter, man. And you're going to, you're going to hunt and you're going to be the greatest hunter ever. And you're going to kill a 9,000 point deer. I don't think that's possible, but go with me this morning. And so you got your gun, man. You're ready to go. Like, let's go hunting, man. Ooh, I'm ready to go. God's going, Daniel, why do you have a Nerf gun? I'm going hunting. He's going, I did it's not how I equipped you, man. It's not, it's, not, it's not what I called you to do. Yeah, I did call you to hunt, but I, I didn't give you that. What are you doing? You, you need to be patient and wait, and I'll provide you with what you need. This, you're taking matters into your own hands, and you're going, if you go hunting with this, Daniel, you're going to get killed instead of being the killer, okay? So this is it. Or I think a lot of times, you know, uh, God calls us to be a Frisbee player because I love Frisbee, man. I, I love to play Ultimate Frisbee. A lot of our students here do too. And you may be going, what's Ultimate Frisbee? Another story. Anyways, go with me. I love Frisbee. I love Frisbee. And this is what God's called me to do. He's even given me the tool to do it. And I think this is a church people a lot of times. God's called me to be a Frisbee player. Let's go play Frisbee. I'm going to be a basketball player. And so you go to dribble it and you're like, why is this not working? All right, here we go. Three-pointer. Why is this not working? And God's, God's, get that image and God's going, what are you doing? I called you to be a Frisbee player. I gave you the Frisbee with the bear on it because I knew you were kind of aggressive like a bear. Why are you playing basketball? So I think a lot of times we may be doing the right things. We're just doing them in the wrong way, okay? It's not the correct activity, okay? Here's the deal. Each and every one of us are uniquely designed to fulfill God's call on our life, okay? And when you understand your identity, it's gonna to lead to correct activity because here's the deal. God's called some of you to be painters, some of you to be builders, some of you to be Frisbee players, some of you to be basketball players. Uh, if God's called you to be a Frisbee player, stop building houses, okay? If God's called you to be a hunter, stop being a Frisbee player, okay? Um, be the person God has created you to be. And so, what is my activity? You've been talking about this a lot, Daniel. What's my activity? I know where my identity is. I know I'm found in Christ, but wait, what's my activity? Well, here we go. Get out your pen and paper. We're all fixing to get a list of do's and don'ts, right? Because that's what the Bible is. It's a bunch of rules. No, that's not what the Bible is. The Bible's a great handbook on how to live the greatest life ever, but it is not a list of rules, and I'm not about to do that. But what I am here to tell you today, I think if Jesus was standing before us too, he'd say the same thing. The activity that you all need to do is to be a light in the darkness. That's God's call on your life, okay? Now, Daniel, are you saying I need to quit my job and go to the Horn of Africa? I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you that, but if that's the call that God has on your life uh, and things just, you've tried a lot of different things and that's not working and you know what you need to do, I'd say it's time to sell some stuff and move to Africa, okay? 
But I think for a lot of us, what God might be saying when it comes to being a light in the darkness, bloom right where God has you planted. Remember, you're created on purpose for a purpose. Maybe you just need to be the person God's created you to be right where you're at. And so when when that time comes to really maybe speak up when you know your coworkers or talking about something they probably shouldn't be or someone's angry at you or you have to go and get on to a fellow coworker, whatever it may be, okay? You fill in the blank. You know what you're battling. Have the courage and the boldness to to step up and be that light in the darkness, okay? Um, But at the same time, don't, don't wait around. Sense the urgency to share Christ's love with the people you're around, okay? Bloom right where God has you planted. Well, Daniel, but they know, they know what I did in the past, man. I've been here 30 years. They know how I used to be. Uh, you were planned, you're protected, and you're provided for. So you don't have to worry about those things, okay? And so as we prepare to go this morning, we opened up last week by asking the question, who are you? Uh, and I kind of want to, to leave with another question today. As we go this morning, I want to leave you with the question, what are you going to do? Okay, we're all called to, to be a light in the darkness. And so how are you uniquely wired to be a light in the darkness? How are you going to bloom this week and this year right where God has you planted? Let's pray this morning. Father God, I thank you for this day, Lord, and for all your many wonderful blessings. I just pray that you would uh, be with each and every person here today, God, that, that you would just speak to their hearts, that you would guide and direct them as, as individuals, as families, to be the person you have created them to be, God, that they would be that light in the darkness, Lord. And so as, as we work through this process, going through this identity crisis of understanding, it's not who I am, but it's whose I am. And that when we find our identity in you, it's going to reveal what our activity is, God. And so I pray for, for each and every person here, God, that you would just guide and direct them to, to whatever it is you've called them to do, God. And, and I know good and well there are some in the room this morning, God, that are doing right everything that you want them to be doing, Lord. And so I pray that you would just encourage them. And that can, this message can be an encouragement to them today, God, that they would Keep fighting the good light and keep, continue to be that light in the darkness, Lord. But uh, for those that may be struggling today, God, I pray that you would just speak to their hearts, God. And if uh, maybe they need to take some drastic steps in their life, maybe they just need to move a few pieces around, God. Whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that you would just give them the courage and the boldness to take those steps, God. So watch over us as we go from this place. Bring us back next week, God, ready to just glorify and worship your name and to take that next step in our relationship with you, God. We love you and we praise you. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Guys, have a great day. We will see you Wednesday night.